Coming up this week on Breaking Badness, today we discuss to pay the ransom or not pay the ransom, a discussion on the recent attacks against MGM Resorts and Caesars Entertainment. Next up, Slam Dunk to Splunk. Cisco acquires Splunk in a massive multi-billion dollar deal. And our fun game, Gold Guidance and Grievances. With that, Breaking Badness is next. Welcome to Breaking Badness, episode number 167, recorded on September 25th, 2023. I'm your co-host, Callie, discombobulated arachnoid Fensel, and with me is co-host Tim, MGM in the middle, Helming, and last but not least, Ian, Cellar Dweller Campbell. Welcome, everybody. Hello, Ian. Welcome back, Ian. Good to have you on the show again. Yeah, yeah well, always good to be here. Thank you. It feels like um, it hasn't been that long since since we've done an episode to, all together, right? Feels like it's mm. been a while since we've done a regular episode, but we just had our one guest. We, we just had our guest episode last week, and I mean, absence makes the heart grow fonder, anyway. So I'll That's take what I can get. So true. So true. Uh, so so earlier, Tim was telling me that fall has. Uh, has hit the Pacific Northwest. What about what about in your neck of the woods, Ian? Yeah, definitely. We're uh, we're fast approaching fall. It is officially hoodie weather at this point, and I can't be more excited. Exactly. In the Midwest, this is the time of year where it's it's super cold in the morning. Uh, you put on the hoodie, and by the afternoon, it ends up in the back of your car oh, if yeah. you're driving. Yeah. So like by the end of the week, then you've got your uh, menagerie of hoodies that yeah, this is that uh, I, we noticed this in the springtime, but I think the same thing happens now. This has got to be the, that kind of weather, the leading cause of kids leaving their jackets at school. And yes. there was a school near us one, one spring. They, they put all of the forgotten jackets out like on the uh, playground or something for them to be reclaimed. And I mean, it, it looked like the rapture had just come along <laughs> while all the kids were out playing. <laughs> there were so many jackets. <laughs> oh my gosh. I never thought of that, but that makes perfect sense. Oh, I remember it happened to me when I was a kid too. It, it, and I, I do associate it more with the uh, end of the school year, but like I, <laughs> all my jackets and pullovers and stuff would slowly just migrate from my house to the school and did you get them back well yeah eventually oh, but you oh. know at the end of the day you're excited to go home you're playing with your friends you're waiting to get out of there and the last thing you think about is what objects did i bring with me this morning that i will also need to bring home with me you know if you're in school i think like if you have like a toy or something you're gonna remember that for sure that's right you remember the important stuff because that's in the candy because that's currency on the bus. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. I'm... Oh, it, it's candy still currency. But, yeah. uh, my My job a couple jobs ago was in Congress. They have an entire <laughs> barter market based on office snacks. Tell me more about that right now. <laughs> <laughs> so 
So what you have generally is that um, congressional offices can take uh, small gifts. They can't take much. There's a lot of rules around it. But companies that are based in um, either the constituency or the state usually come bearing gifts that they have produced. Mm -hmm. So like if you have Pepsi in your constituency, they bring Pepsi. If you have Coke, they bring Coke. Chick-fil-A brings uh, potato chips. Uh, stuff like that. And every office has a well-detailed binder of what other offices have <laughs> and what they'll trade for. They have, so, a, doss- they have a dossier? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so there's, there's this fantastic, thriving gray market uh, for uh, snack foods. So so wait a second. Ian, did I, I must have misheard you. Did you say Chick-fil-A brings potato chips? Uh, yeah, uh, if I remember right, they're like Chick Fil A flavored potato chips. I never tried them. Where does one uh, get those? Seems really random. I, I, Callie, I'm guessing Chick Fil A might be a place to. I don't know. That's call well, me crazy. I, I don't really deviate from my order when I go to Chick Fil A. So I'm like, do they, they have potato chips? Okay. Interesting. I don't actually know. I've only been in one of those. I think once. I, I don't think I've ever been in one. I am like a super big fan of they have a frosted lemonade. I'm I'm over the moon for it. It's so good. Mm. I've never heard of that. We are not we're not promoted in any way by Chick-fil-A. <laughs> but if you <laughs> if you have the chance to try one, it is delightful. I do think it would be easy enough to make it home though. Hmm. Yeah, like I think it's, if I had to guess, I'm just like, it's probably vanilla ice cream with probably lemonade concentrate mixed together. Mm. I bet, I bet it's that. It's, it's totally not good for you. 100% delicious. Um, but yeah, frequent that a lot. It's, it's next to the movie theater. So. Today on nutrition, I'm breaking badness. <laughs> oh, I guess um, before we delve into uh, the stories, like um, one of our colleagues, Austin, had shared like what what your snacks are um, on Friday. That was a fun game. So my snacks, I believe, were Doritos, Pepsi, Re- regular or Cool Ranch. Cool Ranch. Yes, important um, distinction. Yes. Um, cool Ranch. And then I forget. Oh, the third one was a candy. So the, of the candies listed, I picked Skittles. Mm. So what about what what about y'all? Well, I went uh, original Doritos, Dr. Pepper and Reese's, although I felt the least strongly about the third category because I could be talked into a Snickers quite easily. I know. Uh, me too. Yeah, but uh, when I was a kid, my parents were the kinds of parents where we didn't have sugar cereals. We didn't have a lot of junk food type stuff in general in the house. We weren't allowed to drink soda except on special occasions, which were somewhat rare. Um, But when we went on family road trips in the car, all those rules changed and we got to have Dr. Pepper and Doritos. Those seemed to be the snack foods that my sister and I liked the most, the junk foods. And it was sublime. So I still, to this day, I still will buy Dr. Pepper and Doritos when I'm on a long road trip 
there's no other time that I really purchase those things, but it makes trip. it special. Oh, yeah. The candy was yeah. less important, and I don't think we had candy bars on those same road trips. You get melty in the car. Mm. So I went uh, original Doritos Mountain Dew Snicker bar, which is actually uh, it was my dinner most nights when I was working uh, midnights as a uh, emergency services dispatcher. So wow, I'm sure you're not alone in that either. <laughs> God, I remember, you know, I can't eat this stuff the way I could when I was a kid. I remember when I was at camp one summer uh, for uh, breakfast or a mid-morning snack, a glass of soda and a Snickers bar were just great for me. And now it just makes my teeth hurt to even think about that. I know, me too, but I'll still do it. And then... Regret it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%. I'll still do it and regret it later. I can't. I just, because I, it doesn't just make my teeth hurt to think about it. I, I My body rebels if I do that and I feel so crummy. Oh, oh do so it. does mine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I guess I'm just more of a wimp. I'm not willing to pay that price. It, it it may just be that uh, Callie and I are in need of those uh, little dopamine hits just a little more. It's good for your soul. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, this is this is fun. I love talking about food and snacks and all that stuff. But we should talk about we should talk about our articles. Um, so uh, the first one on the docket is to pay the ransom or not pay the ransom. That is the question. Whether it is nobler in the mind. <laughs> the whole thing's a bit of a gamble, isn't it? I really so I I will say I I briefly on Friday when I was preparing our outline, I'm just like, can I write this sonnet without chat GPT? And I, I I just got busy and then I couldn't even ask ChatGPT to like spin it up for me. So I, I want you to know, I want, I was thinking about it, but you I could have, you could have done it. I'm sure I have I, faith. I really feel like if I had some time and a donut and Pepsi, <laughs> I could have really churned it out for everybody, but I, uh, I didn't make it, but it's the thought that counts. But, um, hmm. But both MGM and Caesar Systems are back online after tens of millions in losses later following an attack by the same threat actor. So, so Tim, this has been a prevalent story, but, you know, just starting with the basics, what happened to MGM and Caesars? Yeah, well, this was a, in the, in the same uh, spirit as your famous series of uh, casino heist movies. This was a pretty big uh, take by these actors who were able to uh, come away with, um, you know, a multi-million dollar ransom payment uh, in one case um, from Caesar's Palace. So, uh, but it was a successful ransomware incursion. It involved... um, several of the the things we all kind of worry about in terms of authentication bypass and even potentially you know ai in the picture so it's got all the features of your uh, kind of modern uh, concerns um uh, and yeah they uh they were able to disrupt 
operations for varying numbers of days, depending on whether you're talking about MGM or Caesars because of their uh, different responses, which is kind of the focus of what we're going to talk about here today over the next few minutes. Um, but it was a, uh, it was a very MGM. Now, let me back up. The casinos in Vegas in general have really good security. (laughs) They're really good at this. And so, um, it would be easy to say, well, they just, they don't do this job very well, but that would be a mistake. I mean, you'd be hard pressed to find entities that are more theft target rich than uh, casinos. And uh, you can take it to the bank, take it to the cashier, I don't know, uh, that uh, all of the major casinos and probably most of the minor ones, um, whether in Vegas or elsewhere around the globe, are getting hammered all the time with access attempts. So it's a pretty big deal that two of the biggest ones got hit at the same time. Do you think, uh, what about the timing of it? Is it a little bit after Black Hat and DEF CON? Is there anything to the timing, do you think? Ooh, conspiracy time. Um, yes, tinfoil hat time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Petition to make a new segment on the show. <laughs> That's a good idea. That would be a kind of a fun segment. I would have to say, as fun as it is to speculate about that, I think it's coincidental. But, you know, in the fullness of time, we may learn a lot about this uh, heist, so to speak, and um, uh, find out more. Okay. Okay. We'll keep an eye on it. We might find out more for sure. But what do we know about this threat group? Can I say the name of the threat group? Yes. Okay, it's Scattered Spider, and I have decided that their spirit Halloween name is Discombobulated Arachnoid. Yes. <laughs> for uh, for copyright purposes. Um, but is it is this a newer group? Like, what, what do we know at this point? Is it a Discombobulated Arachnoid or a uh, highly distracted Arachnoid? Mm. 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 Yeah, see, my... my version of it is like i just imagine like a bunch of papers and you can't keep them together and right yeah the but, spider just went through tsa and it's trying yeah. to it's belt through all the belt loops mm-hmm. yeah. I, like I like i like my desk in grade school <laughs> <laughs> it's like my desk until about three weeks ago <laughs> it's like to me i'm just like it's some it's like that vision of a 90s busy businesswoman <laughs> I can't talk yeah. to you. I'm on a business call, and I can't. <laughs> well, yeah. So let's let's talk about them. And like uh, a lot of these threat groups, Scattered Spider has a variety of different names depending on which researcher is writing about them. So you may also have heard of them as UNC thirty nine forty four. For our newer listeners, no, that's not University of North Carolina. That's uncategorized. Um, <laughs> they've also been called uh, Scatter Swine and Muddled Libra. But what all of those designations have in common is this is a financially motivated threat actor group. They've, they're have they relatively new compared to some of the other ones that we um, t- have talked about on the show. They've been active since roughly May of 2022. Um and they have uh, targeted a variety of different organizations, but it's all 
of course, uh, financially motivated. Some of the earlier targeting that they did was on telecoms and business process outsourcing organizations. Um, but uh, one of the sectors that they have shown some interest in besides these casinos that they just hit was critical infrastructure uh, organizations. Um, they are really good at social engineering. So they've done phishing over Telegram and SMS. They've done SIM swapping. They've done these uh, so-called MFA fatigue attacks. Um, and uh, all of those are um, integrated into their social engineering. And then what they've also been really good at doing is impersonating like IT personnel in order to gain uh, unauthorized access. So they're good at what they do. And um, sadly, they're, they're racking up some wins. I kind of want to know what it's like to impersonate IT personnel. Do you like on the social engineering call? Do you just sound frustrated and exhausted and beaten <laughs> down? Is that the kind of profile you're going for, or is that just personal experience coloring my uh, expectations? I think it depends on whether they're impersonating impersonating someone who recently had their infusion of Mountain Dew or who is <laughs> late for that infusion. Uh, good point. Yeah, I was going to ask Tim, like, as, like as you were, you know, sharing your answer, when you say like they're really good at social engineering, do you think, you know, you know, and, and given I think we also know like the ages of the of this group, like they're pretty young. Like, is this something you're just good at, or is it something that like you're just good at social engineering, or does it take like any sort of practice to to get good at it? Like, are they just naturally gifted with this ability to social engineer, or are they studying psychology on the side? Well, the uh, the underground economy, as we've discussed so many times, um, mirrors the above ground economy. So it's entirely possible that they, you know, folks who are heading up Scattered Spider are um, are really good at. Uh, psychology and are studying it and and who knows maybe there maybe if you're in the underground you can take like psych 101 classes in order to get better at manipulating people uh i don't know but okay, seems sure. not seems not impossible but one of the one of the things that has been um pointed out as you said is that um the youthfulness of the people that are part of scattered spider and they seem to be recruiting teens uh, quite a bit. So there's not a ton that I've seen that's known yet about kind of the inside of this group that will come later. Cause it seems like, uh, we always learn more about the personnel in these groups. Sometimes it's because later they become disillusioned and start talking smack about the group that they had been in and so forth. Uh, we're not seeing that so far, but, um, uh, but yeah, you're, uh, you're correct. They, tend to skew young from what we can tell. Gotcha. So, um, so Caesars, um, had paid the 15 million in ransom and MGM, um, had refused. So what would you say are the pros and cons of paying versus not paying? How long have we got? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And how philosophical (laughs) do we want to get? Um, this is, you could do a case study, and I'm sure somebody will, like there will be um, advanced degree theses or dissertations written about the 
um, contrasting responses between MGM and Caesars uh, to this problem. And it's, it's fascinating because it's happening at the same time. You've got the same threat group uh, behind both attacks. And then you've got these. And you, it's probably safe to assume that much about the security posture of those two organizations was probably pretty similar. Um, you know, the way they responded was different, but I bet that a lot of the security controls that they had in place and best practices and so forth were probably fairly similar. And so then you have this huge divergence about how they responded and how they, you know, got themselves back on their feet. And uh, the debate will rage on forever. But as far as the pros and cons of paying versus not paying the ransom, you know, the pro that, um, that, uh, Caesars would point to and uh, observers of it would be, well, that they got back up and running faster than MGM did. It should be said that as of when we're recording this, they, they both are up and running again. Mm -hmm. Um, but Caesars got up and running more quickly and in the long run for Caesars entertainment, $15 million is a rounding error. It's a very, very minor cost. But there is the big picture consideration that I'm sure was part of what went into MGM's reasoning and what is part of the reasoning of many people who are disenchanted that um, one of these organizations chose to pay the ransom, which is, of course, you're just encouraging more ransomware. You're proving that that business model works and um, you're putting, you know, you're giving money to terrible people. And those are definitely big cons of, uh, of paying the ransom. And also, as we know, uh, in a lot of cases, paying the ransom doesn't guarantee that you're going to get your data back or get your operations back online uh, at all. In their case, it seems that that did work out for them. So they must be breathing pretty big sighs of relief about that. But, um, but that's far from guaranteed. Um, so, you know, this debate is never going to be formally settled. There are things that'll change the nature of the debate, like, you know, that we've seen legislation in various, uh, jurisdictions that makes it illegal to pay the ransom to ransomware actors. Um, and as regulation changes, uh, that aspect of it will, will go along with those changes. But, um, but fundamentally, uh, this is a real dilemma that uh, I have often said, and I'll say it again, I do not envy the person that has to make that call because it's easy to sort of ivory tower it and say nobody should ever pay. Um, but when you're the person with whatever it is on the line, whether it's revenues, whether it's patient safety, if you're in healthcare or whatnot, that is an agonizing decision to have to make. I'm going to ivory tower it. Do it. Do I, it. I'm going to say I, I, you I was going to ask you both. Never like, pay the ransom. Um, the the first consideration there is uh, uh, existing legislation, uh, in in particular uh, sanctions, because a lot of these groups, uh, the money at some point will hit a sanctioned entity. So you're you're already do some doing something there. I'm actually in favor of federal legislation making paying rans ransoms illegal. Unfortunately, if your 
business model cannot either stand up your security to a point where it is uh, robust or survive being ransomed, then that's going to be a, a business fault. That, that's that's going to be a point at which your your business fails. But if you're handing tens of millions of dollars to these threat actors to fund further activities, that's going to be on you in a moral and ethical sense. And yeah, I say this as someone who's been operation. Yeah, yeah. And I say this as someone who's been uh, throughout my entire career operational. You know, I've been IT, uh, I'm operational security now. Um, I, I know the sweat and the stress that comes from one service being down, no less everything. But I think paying the ransom for the possibility of getting up and running while your systems are still compromised is no deal at all. I'd rather my $15 million go to Mandiant or whoever the incident response du jour is and uh, uh, have them pull it in. I wonder if we're going to see that Caesars at some point evaluated cyber insurance and evaluated the likelihood of their insurance holding up and paying off and realized, well, in discovery, they're going to find out X, Y, and Z and not pay off and uh, just paid the ransom instead. Well, uh, as as I say, a lot more will come out about this in the fullness of time. But, you know, I can't I can't fault that position. I'm not sure I disagree with you, Ian. I think I probably do agree. Uh, I hate seeing the ransom get paid. Um, I'm just saying I'm, I'm really glad I don't have a job where I have to make that decision. Oh yeah, one one hundred percent. There's there's a lot of nuance to the decision making, but I think at the end of the day, um, I, I I don't think I could uh, fall any other way on it. Uh, yeah. Then again, I I have never been accused of too much uh, uh, nuanced gray thinking versus black and white. I'm I'm <laughs> kind of a, uh, a black and white thinker. I own it at this point. Fair enough. Yeah. No, I. Uh... Um, I, I like to think that I would not pay it either. The, the one that's the hardest for me when I think about these hypotheticals is healthcare. If the hospital was more or less shut down and I felt that or knew that lives were at stake, um, that would, I think that'd be the hardest call for me to make, but I agree with you. It really sticks in my craw, the idea of, of paying these folks. And uh, um, I'm equally in favor of legislation outlawing the uh, ransom payments. I uh, mean, if nothing else, hopefully that legislation will cause some of these actors to rethink their plans, their life choices, shall we say. I'm tempted to make a snarky comment about healthcare companies and the preservation of life, but I'll save that for another time. <laughs> this well, uh, week on medical ethics at Breaking Badness. I don't know, we cover a wide, a wide uh, net of, mm. of topics each week. I like that about us. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think in the interest of time, I, I, I want to wrap up just so we can uh, talk about our next article as well. But um, 
Yeah, I'm sure we're going to be talking about this more, like maybe in a couple weeks there there will be more information and we'll we'll follow up and um and t- and talk about it then, but but thanks Tim so much and and thank you Ian. This is a pretty lively discussion. I really enjoy it. Um so in so if you're a newer listener, we like to end um talking about these um articles with what we call our hoodie rating, which is a rating between 1 and 10. Uh 10 being absolutely awful end of days um one being not so bad this this scenario is is you know we can move move on about our day pretty easily and of course you know we say hoodies because we think about a stereotypical hacker in a hoodie um so uh ian you know given what you've what you've heard um what what would you say uh these attacks uh from from a hoodie rating perspective would be I'm going to give it about an eight. Oh, wow. Um, they they hit a black box industry with sophisticated, uh, uh, pretty sophisticated measures. And I mean, that includes social engineering, too. But the, the amount of uh, technical sophistication to pull these off had to have been pretty considerable. So they hit a, a black box industry that is probably more likely to pay than not and then uh, moved from there. So I, I think it was pretty good decision-making and pretty pretty impactful decision-making on the part of the threat actors from the word go. Gotcha. Okay. How about, how about you, Tim? What, how are you feeling? Yeah, I'm, I'm right in the same neighborhood. Um, the number that popped into my head was seven, but um, it's pretty serious. I would not want to be in the crosshairs of this particular group because, as Ian points out, they um, they know how to do a lot of things really well, uh, apparently. So um, they they cracked two very hard targets um, mm-hmm. right at about the same time. And so, yeah, seven and watching because yes. it could go up. Absolutely. We're, and again, we're, we're going to keep an eye on this and, and see what shakes loose within the next couple weeks. But, but yeah, thanks, Tim. We are going to take a brief break and we will be back with our second article, Slam Dunk Desplunk. Uh, please stay tuned. There's more Breaking Badness uh, coming your way. Happy autumn, Breaking Badness listeners. Tim from the team here telling you that while we don't have pumpkin spice anything... We still hope that you find the show tasty and satisfying. And if you do, we hope you'll help spread the word about the show, especially since we determined that we probably aren't going to be able to use one of those flailing tube men to do the job for us, as much as we'd like that. So, will you take a moment this week to send out a bulletin or a memo or a communique to everyone you know who might also enjoy Breaking Badness, inviting them to tune in? And along with that, maybe a rating or a review? We'd be honored. Thanks very much. And now back to the show. And we're back. So um, our second article is Slam Dunk to Splunk. I'm letting my millennial show. Uh, but Ian, you're a millennial too, right? Or be more... Well, th- you- that depends. Are you about to make a Space Jam reference? <laughs> no, it's a it's a boy looking- band it's a boy band reference. <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry that that one I am not primed for. Slam Dunk Defunk by Five. Gotcha, gotcha. I was thinking yeah. Space Jam, and he's on fire. But- <laughs> no, I'm not. I am not a Space Jam 
millennial. That was not part of my repartee. It might have been a little, uh, a, a, a little early. It might have been reserved for us elder millennials. Yeah, maybe. Okay, but yeah, this is uh, my play on words for a boy band song from two thousand. Um, so um, Cisco acquires uh, the analytics and security company Splunk for a cool $28 billion with a B dollars. Um, so Ian, correct me if I'm wrong, but um, did you say, I thought maybe I'd heard you say this is a rumor that this would have ha- this would have happened in the past. Like this has been like something that's been kind of spoken about for a while now. Is that true? So there, there was some definite foreshadowing here, um, especially starting in February. Um, the Wall Street Journal reported that Cisco made a takeover offer of more than $20 billion for Splunk, although at the time there were denials that uh, the companies were in active talks. Um, it's also worth noting that the mergers and acquisitions market looks uh, or looked a lot different in February than it does now. Borrowing costs have skyrocketed, so M&A financing is a lot more difficult seven months on. Um, Hopefully Cisco locked in that February uh, borrowing rate, but uh, at the time, uh, reporting also noted Cisco had a market value of about $230 billion and more than $20 billion on hand in cash and short-term investments, so maybe a little less painful for them. Gotcha. Okay. So so what's the major benefit of a company like Cisco acquiring Splunk? So on the financial strategy side, Cisco's sales are or primarily center around hardware, switches, uh, routers, security appliances, similar uh, hardware, and subscriptions related to those. Uh, Cisco's repeatedly evidenced desires to shift revenue streams more towards software and uh, subscriptions and enlarge the subscription portion so that their annual recurring revenue in particular looks better than it uh, currently does. On the security side, this is just another chess move in the security platform wars that we see play out in the InfoSec M&A field and have for years. Splunk is easily the biggest and best game in town when it comes to security and log uh, observations and sense making. Um, Combining that with Cisco's networking chops, especially providing some native out-of-the-box functionality with their products in an age when corporate VPN services are a particular target for compromise is a natural win. Um, Same with the idea of network intrusion detection, um, which is a big part of those aforementioned platform wars at this point. And at the risk of sounding like I'm selling something, both companies should keep in mind that there are multiple threat actors specifically targeting the mergers and acquisition space these days, so they'd better stay frosty. Um, I've got a long-running project using uh, Domain Tools Iris to watch both sides of some emerging M&A actions, and boy howdy, does the water get murky quick. Gotcha. So um, in the article that we're referencing it comes from spiceworks um they had mentioned that cisco investors were not some were not happy with the deal like do you you have any thoughts on why that might be 
I'd say the price announced is definitely a premium. It's a little surprising. Cisco is pushing through with a $28 billion deal in, in uh, the current environment. And given that Splunk sort of astonish, uh, astonishingly had some earnings misses over the past few years, uh, Cisco shareholders are probably worried the price is too high and the financing too onerous. Um, but it's also a huge, bold move around platform ownership at a time when most other companies don't think they can afford huge, bold moves. And it's for a company with a great dominant product. So I'm on the fence on this one. Okay, gotcha. So, and and this is just a speculation, um, but how do you think this will impact um, Splunk'sConference.com? Do you think we'll we'll see that again next year? Well, I'm not the best person to measure conferences. Uh, Domain Tools mostly keeps me in the basement, and hey. rightly so, which <laughs> means I don't get out much, you know. But uh, I guess scale and scope for .conf will uh, change, uh, first of all. Uh, .conf is like one quarter to one third the size of Cisco Live, which is Cisco's oh. big uh, uh, get-together. So um, it, I guess that would grow in scope, and it's probably easy to guess that Cisco integrations and related sessions will take a more prominent role in .conf. That'll be interesting. We'll keep an eye on that for sure. Um, so thank you, Ian. This is um, this is a tough one uh, with you know our hoodie rating scale. Like just in terms of that, it's neither. It's pretty neutral. Like so, we're just we're talking about the facts. Um, so, um, Tim, you know, we talked about it a little bit before we started recording, but what, what are your thoughts on hoodie versus goodie rating for this particular story? I may be underthinking it, but I, I think this one is fairly easy in terms of, to me, it's just neutral. Um, yeah. you know, I, I don't think if we look at hoodie or goodie ratings, as far as will this positively or negatively impact defenders and how they do their jobs. You know, if, um, well, I won't name any names, but there are certain mm -hmm. companies where their track record of acquisitions uh, causes people to say that that company, the acquiring company, is where technologies go to die. Um, that's not certainly uniformly been the case for Cisco by any stretch. So, um, they're not going to kill Splunk, uh, certainly not intentionally, and I don't think they'll unintentionally kill it either. Um, so I, so for that reason, you know, I don't think it's going to be a, um, I don't think it's going to cause any harm to folks that are current Splunk customers or folks that are Cisco customers and use some other SIM technology. So it's neutral. It's neutral on the pH scale. We were so close to being able to have a chocolate chip goodie, but I, you know, I just see it as more is this, neutral than is this Milk is neutral, right? Yeah, I think it's, uh, I don't know what its pH is. Me neither. But I feel like that's, new. like, now we're just talking about glasses of milk. How many glasses of milk is this? <laughs> Uh, well, that's a good, qu I don't drink milk, so I, I, it's hard for me to comment on how many glasses of milk it is, but I suppose it's a lot because it's, it's a large occurrence, even if it's neutral on the hoodie to goodie scale. Okay. 
That's fine. That's fine. How about you, Ian? What are, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm gonna agree. Uh, I'm gonna agree with Tim. Um, it's probably the whole cow, uh, but it's a neutral <laughs> one, as uh, as far as milk goes. It's a, a big old Tyrannosaurus Rex footprint. Um, gotcha. It is but... a neutral milk hotel, which is a band. <laughs> uh, good reference. <laughs> yeah, I think it it uh, it'll be good for some people. It'll be terrible for others uh, in some ways. But um, I think undeniably it'll have a huge effect on the landscape going forward. So we'll just have to keep an eye out. I know. That's the that's today's theme is we're going to keep an eye out of of both of these things that are that are happening within the industry. So, yeah, we, we might be talking about this again in a couple months. So. So, yeah. But thank you, Ian. Um, well, now we're just going to pivot. uh to the end of the show, which, you know, we talk about our um, gold guidance and grievances, um, which, you know, like the name sounds, um, Ian and Tim will be sharing, you know, something good, um, any any tips or tricks that they have for their guidance. And then, of course, any um, grievances. Um, it, it is what it sounds like. It's anything that's, you know, griping them, uh, you know, right now. But um we have been switching it around the order so we don't end on the on the worst thing and and then it's an awkward and well, how do I end this show kind of thing. So we'll start with uh we'll start with the grievances. Um so um Ian we just heard from you. So Tim, what 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 is grinding your gears right now? Oh boy, where do I start? I'll <laughs> pick something out. Um well, I'll I'll pick this particular uh I'll just I'll just pick one thing, the, the web P issue. Web P. So it's, um, for folks Oish. who haven't heard, there was, I recently discovered buffer overflow vulnerability in the web P image format, uh, which can enable an attacker to do more than just annoy you because the image that you downloaded, you didn't realize was a web P, which is an irritating image format, but it can also introduce malware onto your system um, and potentially lead to uh, compromise of your machine. So mm. that's a problem from a security perspective. But also, I just, you know, I make a lot of PowerPoint slides and I need a lot of images. And it is so annoying when I do a save image as and it turns out to be WebP. Mm. That because, is the yes, worst. You can, you can convert it, but... You know, that's another step in the process. It's just like nobody asked for WebP and suddenly we have it. So, right. uh, so that's my grievance. Um, my guidance is related to your browser. Spend some time, take a few hours sometime soon and look up the, look at the pros and cons from a security perspective of the different browsers out there and Consider re-evaluating which browser you're using based on security and privacy concerns. I'm not going to go on a soapbox for any browser except Lynx. I'm a huge fan of Lynx. But other than that, um, I'll leave it to folks to make up their own minds. But it's time for everybody to be really educated about what browser you're using and why. Why, Tim, whoever could you mean with this cryptic reference? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I will just be coy about it. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, I'm going to move on to my gold, which okay. is the Osiris Rex mission. Uh, this was a spacecraft that Na NASA launched in 2016, um, which went uh, around 4 billion miles to land on an asteroid and receive uh, retrieve a sample. Well, that sample just came back to Earth. So we went out and snagged a chunk of asteroid and brought it back. Uh, and I think that's just pretty awesome. I like space news like that. So there's my gold. That is cool. There might be gold in the material that it brought back from the asteroid. We'll have to find out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's very cool. Um, I'm so glad we end on gold now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Ian, what about you? What's what's really, right. what's really What's getting to you right now? Oh, I, I got a big one. I got a whale of a grievance oh, this week. Oh, boy. Um, so the day before the uh, uh, Splunk announcement with Cisco, someone, as yet unnamed, opened a bunch of call options that uh, allowed them the opportunity, but not the obligation, to pay for Splunk stock at a certain price. And then the day the acquisition was announced, they cashed out for a 45,000% return. Oh, you got to wonder if there's a little bit of insider uh. trading there. Hmm. Uh. Wow. I didn't hear that story. That grinds my gears too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm a big fan of the unusual whales uh, social media account, which uh, tends to publicize, you know, big financial moves and uh, across a bunch of markets, and they uh, they pinpointed this and uh, called it out. So yeah, forty five thousand percent return on uh, I think what was a little over a thousand dollar investment. I don't know anything about stocks. I'm hoping to find out more when I go to the movies tomorrow to see Dumb Money. <laughs> but yeah, that's. Well, That's, also uh, watch The Wolf of Wall Street. That and The Big Short, which I was trying to craft during. So I need to watch that again and not be doing other things. Uh, yeah, I think that's not a great <laughs> multitasker movie. No, it was not. But yeah, that's that. Okay, that grinds my gears now. Um, but yeah, okay. What are your guidance? What's your guidance, Ian? All right. So my guidance is review, review, review. Uh, not just one-offs, but set up whole processes for reviewing pretty much anything under your responsibility. For anything not under your responsibility, make sure someone else has a process for it. There used to be a fantastic defense-related podcast called Bombshell that taught me the phrase, process is my valentine. Um, so my, my guidance is to set up sustainable and standardized processes for regular review of everything you can, but especially access levels and utilization. Then it doesn't need to stay on your radar or in the forefront of your brain. It's automated. It's regular. It's time to do the thing. Also, remember to send a rating and a review of Breaking Badness on your favorite podcast platform. <laughs> <laughs> well played. Cool, cool. How about how about gold? All right, my my gold is going to be uh, possibly a dry and crusty one this week. Um, my gold is for the U.S. State Department. Um, reporting a few weeks back from Politico highlighted that State was the first agency to report 
compromise from the major Microsoft 365 email hack we've been seeing fallout from across the spectrum. Um, this was due to seriously hard work by state putting in extra security in canary systems that alerted them. And it's worth noting that historically state doesn't have the best reputation when it comes to email security. So they've definitely been upping their game and it paid uh, off. Ian, I'll yep. just say that state doesn't historically have the best reputation in a whole variety of domains. <laughs> <laughs> that is fair. That is fair. Um, and, in addition to the uh, uh, being the first agency to report the Microsoft-related compromise, while doing a 60-day review of their top-secret and SCI systems access after the case of the Massachusetts Air National Guardsman caught leaking classified material recently, State identified an IT contractor last week, or uh, announced it last week, but they uh, identified an IT contractor stealing classified documents and providing them to a foreign government, and subsequently charged him with several crimes. Um, these kind of reviews are painful but necessary and good on state for hit and pay dirt during theirs. Um, I think State Department's definitely been up in its game lately, and it's good to see. So they get my gold. Hey, I like the way you tied together your guidance and your gold with those calling out those reviews that state did. Yeah, I was a little worried that uh, because the, uh, I didn't know the order was flipped now, but it seems to work out. Oh, yeah. oh, I guess you you hadn't been on like the episode where like it just felt like such a bummer. The well, game is the... now officially called Gold Guidance and Grievance is not in that order. Yes, yes. <laughs> I mean, I'm dyslexic, so it works for me. Yeah, Grievance's Guidance Gold doesn't sound as good, but it yeah, like the is merrily off the tongue. Yeah, so it's just like yeah, like I forget which episode it was, but. I felt like there was like a heaviness to the to in the air after the grievances part, and I'm like, well, good. <laughs> well, okay, now that we're all righteously bummed out, off, yeah, have a great like, week. Yeah, yeah that's fair. <laughs> Please come back. <laughs> <laughs> Granted, you know who else is ending on gold this week? U.S. Senator Robert Menendez, but that's a story for another time. Uh, oh. <laughs> See what you did there. Oh, all right. Well, very good. All right. Well, I'm I'm super glad we end it that way now because it's on a better note, um, and maybe people will come back and listen to next week's episode. So, um, thank you, Tim and Ian, for for coming today and talking about uh, our our articles. Um, thank you to our listeners for for tuning in, and we hope that we will catch you again next time on Breaking Badness. Have a great week and see you soon. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Thank you, folks. Bye. That's about all we have for this week. You can find us on Twitter, at Domain Tools. All of the articles and IOCs mentioned today will be included in our blog post, which can be found at domaintools.com slash resources slash podcasts. Catch us every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific time when we publish our podcast and blog. We'll see you next week on another episode of Breaking Badness. Until then, remember, don't drink and click.